Life in this fallen world is hard. The truth is, life is tough. Uncertainty, that is hard. Not knowing what's coming, that is hard. Uh, Dealing with the reality of sickness and disease and death, losing people, that is tough. Uh, Today, dealing with people is hard. Have you had to deal with people lately? It's hard. Uh, It's hard to do. Uh, Dealing with defeat and disappointment and discouragement, Uh, those things that naturally happen in the course of life, that is hard. Uh, Being single, it is hard. Being married, uh, it is hard. Look over and see if Carrie said amen. (laughs) She wasn't even listening. (laughs) Being young, that is hard. That is tough. Can you imagine the things that they face today? Being old, it is, I'm finding out, it is hard. The enemies of God, they are real. The Bible says and the Bible tells us the truth that the devil prowls about looking for someone to devour in these days. Listen, that's the days we're living in. He is looking for somebody to actually devour. That is these days. Life in this fallen world is hard. That is the reality. We know that. It is tough. Well, the question is, what are we to do? What are we to do? How are we to ever make it? How are we to keep from getting so beaten up and so discouraged that we just curl up in a ball somewhere? Life is hard. What are we to do? Well, let me tell you the answer today. Let me give you the answer this morning. Some of y'all ought to be sitting up to hear this. Let me give you the answer. Life is hard, so look to the Lamb. Life is hard, so look to the lamb. The lamb has overcome. The lamb has made a remedy and paid for sin. The lamb has defeated death, conquering the grave. The lamb is gracious to us. The lamb stands in victory. And so listen today, our answer is to look to the lamb. Whatever is going on in life, whatever hardship we find, there is victory in the lamb. Turn, look to the lamb. I was thinking about that. You know, there is no problem that does not have a victory in the Lamb. And I thought about, well, what about this? And what about this? And what if this unexpected thing happens? What about some diagnosis? What about some loss that we suffer? Listen, there is not one problem that does not have a victory in the Lamb. And so listen to me today. Our answer then, as believers, is to look to the Lamb. Our answer is to look to the Lamb. Today we're going to move along in our study in the book of Revelation. Today we're going to start the 14th chapter. And today we're going to see all of what I just said as truth. We're going to see it revealed to us in our verses today. Our message today is entitled, Look to the Lamb. Look to the Lamb. Today we're in Revelation chapter 14. Today verses 1 through 13. Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 through 13. Look to the Lamb. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. God's Word says this, And then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters, And like the sound of loud thunder, the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne 
and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who have not been defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste. They are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They have been purchased from among men as first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouth, they are blameless. And I saw another angel flying in mid heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because of the hour of his judgment has come, worship him who made the heaven and the earth and sea and springs of waters. And another angel, a second one, followed saying, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of of the holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Verse 13, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds will follow with them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for the Lord's day that we come and we can gather and celebrate you. We're thankful for the victory of a risen Savior, for the forgiveness of sin through Jesus our Lord. Thankful today for your word. Thankful that it speaks to us, that it's living and active I pray, Lord, as we begin this time to study your word, I, I pray that it would be tremendous. I pray that it would be profound as you speak, as it is your voice that we hear. And I pray that we as the church would be equipped today, that we'd be encouraged today, that we'd be built up today. Lord, if need be, that we'd be convicted today. But I pray, Lord, that we would carry your banner high, encouraged in the truth of your word. Lord, I pray for some that will hear this today that do not know you. I pray that in the hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the hearing of good news, that today they might turn to you and receive you in faith. Lord, we come, we give you this hour. We trust it to you. We ask that you take it, you multiply it, you work through it. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today, as we move into the 14th chapter, we see really a continuance of a pattern. And that pattern is that God never gives us too much of the bad news without an interlude of good news. And I have noticed that going through the revelation. I've seen that now in a cycle. Uh, I think that is his nature. He never lets us get so bogged down and so burdened in the bad news that he doesn't remind us that there is Good news. Now, I'll just tell you, one of the things that I have been saying 
is that we need to remember as believers, we need to remember as the church that we have good news. I watch the events today. I watch the things happening around us. And it seems like some of us in the church want to get our heads down. We want to walk around in discouragement. We want to say how pitiful it is, how hard it is. We don't understand what's going to happen from here. When the truth is, that's not true at all. As followers of Christ, we have good news. And so listen, we need to remember, come what may, whatever goes on, as believers, we have good news. Well, in the 12th and 13th chapters, we have had some terrible news. In those two chapters, we have learned of Satan. The Bible says the devil, a serpent of old. And we have learned of his hatred for the plan of God. We have learned of his hatred of the people of God. We have heard in those chapters of the Antichrist. And we've heard of his rebellion against God. We have learned last week in the 13th chapter of the false prophet and his preaching against God. In those two chapters, we have seen these three stir up and leave a swath of despair and deceit and death. They are actual, literal agents of destruction. They are opposed to God. They are opposed to the gospel and the truth of God. Now, we have read all of that for the last two chapters. That's what we've heard. That's what we have studied for the last two chapters. Well, now today as we get to the 14th chapter, God steps in once again to remind us there is good news. And that's what these verses that we're going to look at today and next week, that's what they are. They are a reminder in the midst of that, hey, there is good news. All right, let's go to the verses starting today in verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion. That's awesome. And then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion. And with him, 144,000, having his name and the name of his father written on their foreheads. In the midst of all of that that's been told to us in the 12th and 13th chapter, the devil himself, the Antichrist, the false prophet, in the midst of all of that, John says this, and then I looked, praise the Lord. Here's the deal today. It matters where you look. Do you know that? It matters where you look. It says, and then I looked, and behold. Now that's a word that means see. It's actually a call to see. Look, see. And then I looked, and behold, the lamb was standing on Mount Zion. Friends, John says here, and then I looked, I heard about the devil, the serpent of old. I heard about the Antichrist and his plan and his ploys. I heard about the false prophet. But then I looked, and there I saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion. I almost wrote a, wrote a whole sermon on this verse. And I thought about it. the more I was studying the other verses, I kept coming back to this verse. And I'm going to be honest, I almost wrote a whole sermon on this verse. I want you to see in this first verse, where in the previous chapters they have a dragon, we have a gracious father. And where they have a beast, we've got a lamb. And where the dragon stands on shifting sand, chapter 13, verse 1, we find here that the lamb stands on the rock of Mount Zion, chapter 14, verse 1. And where they were preaching and spreading lies that would end in death, we got the truth that leads to life. 
And where they are headed for final defeat, the Lamb stands in victory. Friends, there is good news. In that one verse, there is good news. Behold, the Lamb, Jesus, stands on Mount Zion. Says, and with him, Jesus, the Lamb, there's 144,000 having his name in the name of his Father on their foreheads. In chapter 13, remember they received the mark of the beast. Here in chapter 14, these we find have the mark of the Lamb. Now, understand these 144,000, they are the Jewish believers sealed by God earlier to testify during the tribulation period. Uh, understand at this point when we find them today, they have been killed for their standing. They have been killed for their faithfulness. Uh, chapter 13, verse 15, I'm going to go back there and read that. It says this, And it was given to him to, to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast would even speak, and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. That's the event. These, these 144,000, they have died for their faithfulness to the cause of Jesus Christ. All right, let me read verse 1 again. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, his name and the name of his Father was written on their foreheads. Verse 2, and I heard a voice from heaven like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder, and the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. All right, here in verse 2, John reports to us, he tells us there is an angelic choir. Uh, I believe it is a massive choir. I'll tell you why in a second. I believe it is a, it is a huge choir. Uh, notice it says there, John says, they are loud like many waters. Have you ever gotten up on a waterfall somewhere? Have you ever got up on a river and it's running hard and the roar of it, you have to shout to the people that are standing next to you. It, it's the roar of many waters. It is overwhelming like thunder, the clap of thunder that, that takes over everything. It says they are like harpists playing on harps. Now, this is a little bit different. That means it's loud. It's overwhelming. This means they are in harmony. And so I want you to understand this is beautiful. It's loud. It's overwhelming. It overshadows and overpowers everything. But it is beautiful. It comes out in harmony. Let me give you a side note right here. I'm going to say something. Beautiful. Christ-exalting music, there's nothing like it. And I, don't, I think that's something that's grown in me as I've gotten older. But I want to tell you the hymns that we sing, the songs that we, hint, that we sing, uh, there is nothing like Christ-exalting music to change your heart. And maybe you're having a tough day, and maybe it's a, a day you're not sure which way to turn. Uh, it will lift your mood. It helps set your eyes upon the Lamb. That's what it does. Praise the Lord for Christ-exalting music. Verse 2 again, And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. Verse 3, And they sang a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. Let me read that verse again. And they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. 
And no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. It says they, it's talking again about the angelic choir, they sang a new song. Now this is interesting. In the Bible, in several places, it talks about a new song. Uh, most of the time, I, I went and tried to look it up. Most of the time, it was always a song that would point to something God had recently done, a blessing recently of God, and it pointed to the glory of God. You can read when they come back from captivity uh, in the book of Psalms, it says, and they sang this, this new song. Look what God has done in his grace. Well, here it says they are singing this new song. They're singing it before the throne. There is God the Father on the throne. They're singing it before the Lamb. He is standing on Mount Zion. The, the four living ones, they are there as well. The 24 elders, they are there. And they're singing before them. And the hosts of heaven, they are there. And yet it says, no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. That's weird. Let me tell you what I think. Here's what I think. Sometimes, and some people can't sing a song because they don't know about that song. They, they can hear a song, but they can't sing that song because it's not their song. And sometimes there are people, they can't sing a song. It's, it's not their song. But I want to tell you this, when there is someone who knows about the song, who sings that song, you can't stop them from singing their song. You ever notice that? Let me give you an example of that. For years now, I sit up here and I hear people sing. Sometimes I hear them not sing. But here's what I've noticed. Noticed it again today. When there are people and they have felt the shame of their sin, and they have hated the impact of their sin. And when they regret their sin and they've been carrying that regret for them sin, oh, if they could take it back, oh, if they could go back and do that over again, when they realize that they have sinned against the holy God, when they realize that they have sinned against others and they hate that sin and you let them sing, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought starts to get louder, doesn't it? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, it gets louder, doesn't it? But the whole, not in part, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well with my soul. Let me tell you, that's a song I can sing. That's a song we can sing. Well, I want to tell you, we don't know what the words of this song. It's not our song. It was their song. And they had endured the time of the tribulation, unspeakable hardships. They had made it through it, and they had testified to Jesus, and they had testified to the gospel, even to the point of death. And another died, and another died. And yet they stood, and they were faithful, and they died for the cause of Christ. Each one of them a sinner. They were purchased in the finished work of the Lamb. And this is their song. And I don't know that others could sing it, but it was their song. So they understood it. There's a further description of this group 
Going on in verse 4, these are the ones who have not been defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste. They are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been purchased from among men as the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. It says here, verse 4 reports to us that they were single. And for whatever reason, during this tribulation time, they did not marry. Uh, more than that, they did not participate in the rampant sexual immorality of the day that was going on all around them. Uh, they did not compromise and participate in that. It says of them, they follow the Lamb wherever He goes. This means they are loyal. It means they are devoted. But it mostly means this, they walked in obedience to the Lamb. They followed the Lamb wherever He went. So He set the course. He led out. They followed the Lamb in obedience. And their deaths in faithfulness, the verse tell us, are an offering to God, a first fruit offering to God. It says others are going to later follow, but their, their death in faithfulness to God, it's an offering that was pleasing to God. Verse 5. And no lie was found in their mouth. They are blameless. Well, I think this is important. In a battle for the truth, these are people of the truth. And when Satan and the false prophet and the Antichrist were promoting and preaching their lies, these were people found in the truth, and they upheld the truth, and they stood on the truth. That is their description. Now, all of that, those five verses, uh, what a picture that is. The Lamb stands, and He stands in victory, and also these are standing with Him. These that have died for their testimony of Christ, they are standing with Him, and there is joy in the air, and there is a choir that rings out, and there is good news. That's the picture of the first five verses. Whatever has been told to us, whatever has happened, there is the Lamb, and He stands in victory, and these stand with them, and there is joy in the air. There is good news, verse 6. And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. Verse 7, And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and springs of water. This is an awesome picture right here. Once again, it keeps happening, but this is an awesome picture of our God. And you want to know what he's like? It's, it, it, just, it just keeps being revealed to us. This is an awesome picture of our God. I want you to see this. They are on the cusp of his final judgment. Do you know that? They are on the cusp of his final judgment. And even still, there is an angel flying preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Isn't that like our God? Isn't that how gracious our God is? Here they are on the cusp of judgment and flying in there is an angel preaching the gospel. The Bible says to every nation, tribe, and tongue, to all of those who live on the earth. Notice there it calls it the eternal gospel. I want you to notice in verse 8, the eternal gospel is, is always tied to the eternal God, the eternal creator God. We see that in those two verses. Here's what I want you to see. The gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the eternal gospel, it is good news. 
At all times, it is good news. For all people, it is good news. How it originates in God's grace, that is good news. How it is secured in the cross of Calvary in our precious Savior's blood, that is good news. How it is offered by faith in Jesus and no work of man, that is good news. Who it is offered to, all people of all times, that is the gospel truth, that is good news. What it demonstrates to us, a God of unimaginable love, that is good news. The impact that it bears, an eternal impact, those that trust in it shall not perish, but yet have eternal life, that is good news. Listen to me today, the eternal gospel of our eternal God is always good news. It is good news. There's another sermon right there on how to go on. Gospel's good news. For sinners lost in their sin, it's good news. Those that have lost their way, it's good news. Those that are despairing in a fallen world, the gospel's good news. All right, verse 8 goes on. There's more good news. And another angel, a second one, following, say, saying, Fallen, falling is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations Drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality has led everybody into evilness. Babylon has fallen. That's the good report. Now, I looked into it, and there's, there's some discussion as to who Babylon is here. Uh, some say it's the actual city of Babylon. If you go find in Iran that actual city of Babylon that's, that may be there, that, that's the actual city. Some today say it represents the Catholic Church. Uh, some say it's the world's system as a whole, a, a system that is opposed to God. Some say it is the Roman Empire of old, the, the old Roman Empire. There are some that say it's the renewed Roman Empire of the last days. I believe it could represent the world's ways, but I believe most likely it is the evil Satan-led empire of the last days. But the good news is they fall. They do not endure. They fall. Verse 9. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, verse 10, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. In chapter 13, if you remember, those who took the mark of the beast, they belonged to this community of those who had rejected God. They were able to live their lives. They were able to, to trade. They were able to do business. Those without the mark, however, they were persecuted. They would starve to death. They couldn't shop. They couldn't trade. Uh, they would die and be killed. Well, here in chapter 14, there is now a turning and there is justice. It says of those who have rejected God, who have taken the sign of the beast, that they will drink of the wine of God's wrath. It says they will drink it from his cup of anger. So a cup of anger filled with wrath is what they're going to drink. It says mixed Full strength. Uh, that literally translates in the original language, mixed, unmixed. Now what that means is it is not diluted. 
It is not cut down. It is full strength. And so what it is saying here is all of the anger of God towards sin, all of the wrath of God towards sin, all of his hatred for sin is not diluted. All of it together is poured out on them. The word tormented means unbearable pain. To exist in torment. It says fire and brimstone. There's a resemblance, there's a picture of the lake of fire that is to come. Verse 11. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. I want you to see this. It matters. How long will their suffering be? How long will their suffering be? Well, let me just tell you this. It would not be right. It wouldn't be proper to not be up front here. And it wouldn't be right to not say this is, this is what the Bible said. This is what God's word has said. There, there are some today, and this is, this is really a disagreeable thing for, for humans to understand, eternal torment, surely there'll be an end to it. Surely they'll be burned up after a while. Surely it won't go on for eternity. And that's a hard thing to picture. That's a hard thing to wrap our minds around. And so people try to adapt it. Perhaps it'll be for a while. Perhaps it'll have an end to it. How long is the torment for the rejection of God? It says here, the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. That word, we've seen it two other times in the book of Revelation. It means of the age of the ages. When you run out of all the ages of an age, there's another age that opens. It means eternally. It's used elsewhere to describe the eternal nature of God. He is eternal of the age to the ages. God is unending. He is eternal. It is the same word, meaning does not end. Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, the same wording. It says, and they will go away into an eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. How long is eternal life? The same duration is the eternal punishment. I want you to be sure today, the Bible tells us the punishment is severe, and it is eternal. I'm going to tell you something, it's not loving to lie to folks and not tell them the truth. Rejecting God will come at a great price. Rejecting God and his Savior Jesus will come at a price, and it's eternal torment that will not end. Verse 12. And here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Verse 12 is another word of encouragement. Those who even died, those who stood for Christ, they are now exalted with Christ. That's what it means, persevering with the saints. They're rejoicing now with Christ. But those who bought the lie, those who compromise, they are found in torment. Here's the truth. Here's the reality. It is better to be killed by the beast, the Antichrist, than to have ever denied Christ. It is better to be killed by the Antichrist than to have denied Christ. Then to make it clear, we have the last verse we'll look at today, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, John sees all of this and now he hears a voice from heaven saying, right, he did. This is what we have. I always think that's awesome. This is what he wrote down. 
Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Over these that were killed for their testifying, those that were killed for their faithfulness, the voice says, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. In the Lord is a phrase that means in the cause of Christ, with their faith in Christ. And so they die with their faith in Christ. It says here they will find rest. Notice the above verses. They're not going to find any rest. It says in day and night they'll be in torment. There's no rest for them, but for these that have died in their faith, there is rest. And it says this, and their deeds will follow them. That's a pretty awesome thing to me. It means this, that their deeds in the service of Christ, the things they did for the cause of Christ, they weren't for nothing. Sometimes we think, well, it didn't matter. Nobody saw that. Well, it didn't matter. It doesn't seem to have borne much fruit. You know what? God saw it. Christ saw it. And the deeds will follow after them. Christ was known in their deeds. And Christ was glorified in their deeds. There'll be a reward. And so their work doesn't end. It wasn't stomped out. The result goes with them. These verses that we read today, they are, be sure, specific to a specific time. But also be just as sure that they speak in all time and they speak to us today as well. One of the things that I keep seeing week after week as we go through this study is, is God is speaking to us in his word. As we study the revelation, God is speaking to us. I believe God has spoken to us today. Well, I want to tell you, this message speaks to us today as well, and I want you to hear what it says. It says this, there is good news. And I, I want to tell you a world that's, that's so dark and so hard needs to know there is good news. Maybe your heart needed to come here today to hear there is good news, and if you'll look to the Lamb, you will see that good news. And the message today is this, there is an eternal gospel, and the eternal gospel is this, we have a Savior, his name is Jesus. The Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, he sees the plot of man. He sees that we're stuck in our sinful estate, sees we can't do anything about it, sees we're going to perish, that we're perishing as we walk. And in his great love, he comes and he lives a life of no sin. That's the eternal gospel. He doesn't sin one time that he's able to offer himself in our place, in our stead, and that's what the lamb does. The perfect lamb of God without blemish. He goes to the cross of Calvary, and that's where sin is paid for. And there he pays for the sin of all mankind. Every sin, it's paid for on the cross of Calvary. They put him in a grave. It is paid. Three days later, he walks out of that grave. He stands as the risen Savior, the risen Lamb, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He stands risen in resurrection power and resurrection victory. And the Bible says this, and when we believe that, here's the eternal gospel. When we believe that, it's reconciled on our account. By faith, we are saved. We have the righteousness of Jesus given to us. The forgiveness of our sin, that's the eternal gospel. There's the forgiveness of sin. He takes our shame far away. That's the eternal gospel. And I want to tell you the good news stands today. If you'll trust Jesus, he'll forgive you today. He'll restore you today. He'll renew you today. He'll save you today. He'll give you eternal life with him today. Not of any work, not in church membership, not in anything, but by faith in Jesus. And that is the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, that's the good news. That's the good news. Listen, friend, we 
have good news. We have good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come, and I'm thankful for a gracious, eternal God. I'm thankful for his good news gospel to me, the forgiveness of sin, the gracious work of a Savior, a powerful Savior, given to us in faith, received in faith, ratified in faith. Lord, I'm thankful for that. I pray, Lord, for a couple things. First off, that we've been encouraged today, that come what may, we have good news. I pray for some that their souls have been burdened. I pray that today we have renewed peace. I pray for some today that do know you. I pray, but, but maybe we've gotten stale in telling the world there is good news. We've become apathetic in that. I pray, Lord, that we would be ambassadors of the good news. I pray at, wor at work, in our families, with our kids, with our grandkids, with the people down the street, that we'd be an agent saying there is good news. And Lord, I pray for some that do not know your good news. And I pray maybe they're hearing today, maybe in, in this room, maybe in some other means this morning, I pray as they sit and they stew under the weight of the guilt of their sin, they would understand there is a Savior, a remedy for sin. And I pray that any hindrance to their understanding that would be removed. And I pray that today, Lord, would be their day of salvation to your glory for your name's sake. We ask in this time of invitation that you would work, that you would move, that you would lead, that you would speak. We give it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close this morning with a time of response, with a time of invitation. And I, I wanna tell you the good news about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is it's available to you. It's available to all. There's no person that's not available to. If you'll trust Christ as the remedy for your sin, the Savior for your sin. You know what the Bible says? He'll save you right now. Don't have to impress a lot of folks. Don't have to memorize a bunch of things. If you'll say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. And I see you as the remedy for my sin. And I trust you as my Savior. He'll save you right now. He'll forgive you right now. It'll be settled right now. Maybe that's your decision today. Maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you're here and you say, no, I've, I've heard that many times, but I've never actually done that. It's never been my decision. Maybe that's your response right now. Maybe you've never heard this and you're hearing this as new information and you would say, you know what, I want that peace. I want that hope. And today would be the day that you'd call upon our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision. You've trusted Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. And just like this one this morning, you need to come and say, you know what, I am a Christian. But I want to show people, I want to testify to it as Christ said that we would do in obedience to him testifying to him. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. And you believe God has led you here. You come as well and together we'll uphold his truth, his word till he comes again. Maybe you want to come and, and pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you're dealing with something altogether different. Maybe nobody knows what it is. Maybe everybody knows what it is. Maybe in humility you want to come and, and pray today. I'm going to ask that no one would stir around during the exit, during the invitation time. You wouldn't head for an exit. You'd pray for those who are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out, you come on, I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.